Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Love that sound. This is a good one. Well, greetings and welcome to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. I am Dale Luganbill. Thank you very much for joining. It's coming in late, but I had to do uh, a little bit of homework. Uh, I'll, I'll get into that. I, I there was a. Uh, a recent podcast that I listened to um, that I got triggered by, <laughs> to put it mildly, uh, and I was sent this. Um, I would have heard it anyways because I listened to this particular podcast. Um, but I was sent. Uh, I was sent the link by a couple of people that listened to my podcast, and then somebody sent me a, uh, an article about it too, or tagged me in an article about it too, um, and yeah. It uh, it set me off. So that there is a rant coming for this week's recap and rant. Um, that's going to be very long and involved. So uh, I actually went and I had to re-listen to the episode, which got me all back in a tizzy. But I, I made a bunch of bullet points and I wrote down some quotes so I could go back through it, read it, uh, think about it, try to articulate myself well <laughs> um, to the point that I it, it, it made me actually want to write something. So I, I wrote an article. I'll be posting that later on my Facebook page. And and maybe we can get a, a conversation started there. But at least I, I knew that in writing it down, I would be able to work out my thoughts and ideas better than just like shaking my fist at the sky and uh, telling you to get off my lawn 
that kind of thing. If I just went in with like my normal rant where I like freestyle without writing notes or anything like that, God knows where that would have went and off some sort of tangent, and I probably would have finished it and then been like, God damn it, I didn't even get to my point. So I didn't want that to happen. Um, so I, I, I've, I've been busy. So sorry for the the delay this week. You're gonna get uh, you're gonna get the weekend recap and rant. And pretty much this week's Waterfall Wednesday back-to-back. It just is what it is. So with that said, I got a little bit to recap. Uh, so last Friday was uh, December 31st, and it's the last day of bow hunting here in Minnesota. I have been unsuccessful thus far. I haven't even really gone out. I've just I've been really busy. Ice fishing has started, so I've been doing that. Um, tournaments coming up, I've been doing that, you know, scouting and pre-fishing getting prepared for that uh, so bow hunting has just been on the back burner and uh so where i've been working though uh, across the street uh, in this little wood lot and clearing that some deer will come out and so i have permission to go get them if i ever want to and so the one week i like i didn't bring my bow of course they were out there like tap dancing every day just having a nice wonderful all time <laughs> and i'm like oh, of course i didn't bring my bow this this week uh, so this last week, I'm like, well, they probably won't come down, but you know, now that we have snow and everything else, probably change their feeding habits. I'm gonna bring the bow just in case. It, it, I'm not expecting anything to happen, but I'm like, at least I'll have it, right? And now I'm pretty much ensuring that they won't show up because I'm prepared for it. All the whole week goes by. Yeah, don't see anything. Well, that last day, Friday, about I don't know, three, three thirty, somewhere around there. I see a deer go whipping through the clearing. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. So I look out the window, and I see like five, six different deer bedded on this big steep hillside. I'm like, oh, I guess they are going to come down. So I stop what I'm doing. I grab, go downstairs. I get in my warm clothes. I grab my bow, and I get set up in my little makeshift blind back there on the edge of the property, which happens to be like this busted-down old trailer like enclosed trailer and doors you know, are open. That's pretty much my blind. And uh, a couple of deer saw me go in there, and they got kind of nervous, and they walked up a little bit, but then they milled around, and they didn't run off. The other ones just stayed bedded. They didn't give a shit. So I'm like, all right, I feel pretty good about this. Um, so I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. And then a couple of them get up, and they make small moves. And a couple of them kind of go up the hill a little bit. I'm like, ah, don't go up the hill. That's not what I want you to do. But then they start working their way back down. And they're taking their own sweet time. I don't know much, how much time is passing, but they're really taking their time. They finally get to, like, the clearing, and one little one gets brave enough, and he comes across. He, she, whatever it was. Little fawn. He's coming right at me. And at this point, it's the last day of the season. I mean, I might actually shoot a fawn. Because I have almost no venison left from last year. I might have some packages of ground, and that's it. It comes across, like, right in front of me, and actually stops. I have, like, one little window through brush that I can shoot. That's pretty much it. And he comes right through that spot. Even stops. But he's pointed right at me, so I can't really draw back. And then on top of that, I got the other herd at this point has, has come down and has stalled on the far side. But they're, like, watching. They're, like, this dude must be the pawn because <laughs> they're like you go and see if it's safe <laughs> this guy recklessly runs across 
And uh, he does that, but I'm not – I got too many eyes on me. Like, I can't drop back. Well, he goes past me on the other side of the door, and I can kind of see him through the slit in the door. This is a junky piece of shit trailer. And uh, he's, like, 10 feet from me, maybe 15. He's just, like, right there. But I'm like, there's no way I can turn and get him. But at this point, I'm thinking, all right, well, he came this way. Hopefully, the other ones will come this way. And I can shoot a bigger one anyways. So we're going to plan on that. Well, he must have caught some little wind of me or something uh, because he decided to turn around and run back across the clearing. Now, he didn't have his flag up or anything like that, but uh, he, he wasn't – he was feeling uneasy. Well, he went up and over the ridge, and apparently everybody else like, let's follow that guy. So they all went up and over the ridge, kind of took their time. And the whole time there's this one particular deer that's still bedded down, hasn't even moved. Like six deer moved past him. A couple of them stopped and like snipped and they went nose to nose. And he's like, no, I'm good. I'm going to chill here. I'm like, well, there's still a chance. So now it's, you know, it's getting closer to sundown. It might actually be sundown. I'm not sure because there's a big, I mean, to the west is this really big ridge. So it's, I'm in the shadow already. So it's really kind of hard to tell. So I'm waiting, which seems like forever. And then all of a sudden I see another deer come into the picture, which I, I couldn't see from my vantage point. I was behind a tree or door or whatever, couldn't see. And uh, as that one gets by the one that's bedded down, the bedded down one gets up, and then they both come across. Now I'm thinking, all right, here we go. These are both good-sized deer. I will shoot either one of these. And if they follow that same path, golden. I'm going to punch this tag in the last minutes of the season. This is going to be amazing. This will be awesome. I'm already, I'm already looking forward to, to the story, you know, <laughs> like did it the final hours, the final minutes. Um, but they don't take that path. <laughs> of course they don't. They come across through the, they come in the clearing, but they're behind all that thick brush before I get to the clearing. And then there's a big brush pile to like my left and they go to the backside of that or one of them goes backside of that. The other one just gets right to the edge of that. And so the one's like out, like, but I can't really, at one point in time, I had the one broadsided about 30, 35 yards. But unfortunately, there was like a neighbor's shed, another, I don't know how many yards behind that. And I was just like, I don't know. I don't really want to, by some chance I miss, like clean miss, that arrow's going to go straight into that dude's shed. I do not want to. That nope, this is a, I'm not taking the shot. So I wait. And he gets kind of nervous and he goes back, but not all the way. And the other one comes a little bit closer. And then he decides, nope, not for me. And he goes all the way across. So they knew something was up. And I don't know if they're catching my wind a little bit or what was going on, but they were they were acting nervous. So the other one went back over and just stood like a statue for like the longest time. And the other one came back in that brush. It was behind that brush pile, but just to the right of that brush pile had a little window that if it took a few more steps, I would have a shot, but I would have to come out of the trailer a little bit. So while the deer was behind the brush pile, I stepped out and I got to where I had a shot at that clearing and deer didn't hear me, um, wasn't, didn't pick up my movement, so I'm good. Finally, as light is starting to get, now I'm, I'm, now I'm getting worried that it's too much. We're getting too close to the ends. I still need to be able to see, you know, and it needs to be a legal shooting time, which it still was at this point. And I'm like, come on, dude, you got to make a move. 
come on. And so finally he starts, she starts walking. It was a nice big doe. She gets in that clearing. Here's my shot. I was like, here we are. I don't, there's probably 10 minutes left of legal light of the season. So I go to draw back. One big problem. I've been having shoulder issues for, well, pretty much all fall. Haven't got it looked at because I'm an idiot. More than likely going to need some sort of surgery eventually on it, rotator cuff, whatever. Lawrence Loman was all about that. Um, so I'm not looking forward to that. Anyways, apparently it's been a long time since I pulled back my bow because I go to pull back my bow, and it hurts like a son of a bitch. But I power through, right? I come to full draw. I'm like, oh. And so she saw this because it was one of those, like, it was hard to do. So it was like, and I don't have my bow set that strong. And I've been I've been hitting the gym three times a week since, like, mm, sometime in October. So it's not like I don't have the strength to pull it back. But that pain, oh, my goodness, to power through that pain. So I finally get to full draw. So there was a lot of movement in doing so. It was not a smooth Cameron Haynes type of uh of draw <laughs> not at all and uh so at this point in time the the doe saw me but she didn't take off she's like what's going on over there kind of that deal so i'm getting ready to line up my my sights and i don't know how but somehow my arrow just falls off the knock just i don't know if i didn't have it in there all the way or what the hell happened but it just fell off well, no, my arrow's dangling down. I'm at full draw. I'm looking at this deer. There's like, yeah, I don't think so. And then takes off across. I'm like, well, son of a bitch. How the hell did that happen? I go to let off my bow. I let off and it kind of feels weird. I look down and now my string has hopped the cam. How the f- does that happen? What is going on? Now the season's over. If it wasn't over, over, it was over. I mean, even if there was another day, there wasn't another day because now I would have to go back to the bow shop and get it restrung. Not to mention, I don't really want to pull my bow back anymore because my shoulder flipping hurts bad. Uh, so, yeah, that was – so that's how my season ended. Pretty awesome. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Oh, and I've been toying with the idea of maybe going to Ohio and doing a hunt over there. Like, yeah, that's not going to happen. I'm going to have to get this shoulder – Looked at, I don't know, get a, got a buddy of mine had shoulder issues. He said, oh, just get a cortisone shot. You'll be fine. I'm like, yeah, I've heard that can work, but I don't know. I feel like it's short term, and, and if it doesn't hurt and I still use it, am I, and am I just doing damage? I mean, pain, you, you have pain for a reason. It tells you to don't do shit if it hurts. So I don't know. I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I'm not looking forward to it. I suppose I'm going to have to go shell out some fucking coin and get this thing MRI'd, and that's, like, super fun, so... So there's that. <laughs> Fuck. <sighs> so anyways, so there's hunting. Hunting's done for me for the year. And uh, so we go into brand new year. Yay. Uh, and this is pretty much the official start of my 2022 Minnesota Made uh, Outdoors Tournament Ice Fishing League. Uh, we did do some scouting the previous week. And uh, so it's uh, on Knife Lake. We got the, you know, started to check off some spots and like, oh man, already not liking this lake. Like it just, the fish are finding are not staying still. They're not the size you want. We're like, oh my God, this lake sucks. Um, so then back to this most current weekend, we get out there and we're like, right, well, we have a lot more water we need to check off. So we just go, we just start to do it. And this year, 
we have LiveScope. So that's something. At least we have that. But we're finding that that at times can be a little bit of a hindrance because you find yourself chasing the same pot of fish and you're trying to get on them and they're moving super fast. And this is like a two-person endeavor at least, if not three. Like it's not – for anybody out there who thinks like getting a LiveScope is cheating, the, I'll be the first to admit there are times it's pretty awesome. You can see the fish come in, you know, when it hits, set the hook. It is awesome. 100% helps you catch fish sometimes. But let me tell you, not all the time. And there is, I think there's a lot of times where sitting still or moving slower, you would do way better than trying to just chase these schools that are just zipping around the basin. Like, it, it's, yeah. And if you think a live scope is going to help you drill less holes, you are lying to yourself. Because you just end up drilling more, like literally drilling more holes. But with that said, I'm glad that we have it now. Uh, I do think it's a tool that will help us. Uh, we just got to learn how to use it the right way and be efficient with it. So so there's that. Um, I don't really have a ton to report, and I don't want to. Um, I'm not going to give away any juice on the podcast. I don't know if I did or didn't last year, but there's sometimes I start talking about it. I'm like, am I saying too much here? <laughs> like, who Are any of my competitors listening to this? <laughs> like, This might not be the smartest thing. So I'm going to keep it vague and uh, just say we have a lot more water to break down yet. The tournament is this Sunday um, on Knife Lake, North Amora. So I got a few days yet. I'm taking Thursday and Friday off. We're going to scout some more. Uh, I have part of the day Saturday. Joel can scout the whole day. Um, but Saturday is our very first on-ice fishing clinic for youth through the Future Anglers of Minnesota, or FAM, as I will refer to it. Um, yeah, we got it. Like, it's official now. We have a website. It's, it's awesome. Everything's up. We got a trailer with uh, decals on it. It's going to be awesome. We got a bunch. We weren't sure if people would even sign up for this thing, uh, but we put it out there, and, like, in less than two weeks, we're full. So uh, it's awesome. We got a bunch of volunteers, myself included. We're going out there. We're going to put on this fishing clinic and uh, try to teach these kids something about ice fishing and, you know, um, you know, there's going to be some of the volunteers are our – um, league pros and uh, competitors. So they're going to be getting, you know, this isn't going to be just like super generic, you know, obviously we're going to keep it at a kid level, but you're getting some like legit knowledge from some dudes that really know how to fish. So, um, and gals that know how to fish. We got, we got a, we got an all, all girls team in the league again this year. Ashley and Christina, so they're they're helping out with fam as well. So guys and gals, some talented guys and gals are going to be uh, sharing some of their knowledge with the, the kids, and I'm super pumped out about this, uh, pumped up about it. I'm a board member of fam. Um, it's a, um, a project that's been near and dear to my heart as far as getting youth into the outdoors. Um, so, yeah, I'm just super pumped with it. So if you guys would – Please go check out the website. If you know anybody that has – it doesn't even have to be you. If you have kids and you want to get them into to fishing, this would be a great thing to do. Um, if you're a parent who doesn't fish but your kid wants to fish, this is perfect. Drop them off. We take care of it. We'll, we'll do it. You don't necessarily have to be there. 
And if you know anybody, if you know, you know, if if you're a fishing family and and your kids have friends and they are fishing curious or whatever, but maybe their parents don't, you know, let them know. Um, send them, send them our way. Send them to Fam. But we do have a website. Uh, it's www.fam-mn.org. I think I got that right. I'll post it in the show notes. I'll link to it. But um, yeah, go check that out. You'll, you can, it'll tell you more about the organization, what we're all about, how you can get signed up, sign up our newsletter, follow us on social media, um, all that good stuff. Stay up to date. So we're doing uh, three clinics this year. So one's going to be on knife. We're kind of spreading them around the state. So depending on where you're at in Minnesota, um, hopefully there's one somewhat near you. So we got this one. Uh, it's kind of north central in Knife Lake, North Amora. We're going to have one down in Prior Lake. In a couple weekends, and then we're going to have one uh, in March up on Gull Lake and Brainerd. So if you follow our social medias, you know all the the schedule will be there, and uh, you'll get updates and how to register and stuff like that. So pretty, pretty dang stoked, stoked about that. And that leads me into this rant because you know what Fam wants to do is recruit. You know we want to get young anglers interested in the sport. Um, as I've, I've know, been known to say on this podcast, uh, more voices at the table when it comes to legislation and tax dollars going for more license sales, taxes on fishing equipment, hunting equipment that goes better landings and better management, game management, fish management, all that stuff. It, it all matters. More people, more voices. I'll gladly share the lands and the waters with people uh, because I'm going to benefit from it in the long run. So with that said, the polar opposite of that is this event that got me extremely triggered. So uh, you can go back and listen to the Meat Eater podcast. If you're not familiar with it, Steve Ranella, he has the Meat Eater show on Netflix, and it was on like cable, outdoor channel, all that stuff at one point in time. Um, now you can find it on uh, Netflix. Great show, I love it, and I love his, I love Steve Ranella's podcast. I think it's I think it's awesome. Um, so when I listened to this particular episode, it kind of caught me off guard. I wasn't I wasn't ready, and it's not Steve. Steve's pretty much on on my side with this. We have very similar views, um, but oddly enough, it was his brother Matt. And boy, they got into a heated discussion. And the stuff that Matt was saying, I was I just was like. Literally, like, <laughs> I'm working, and I got my earbuds in, and I'm listening to this podcast, and I am full-on old man yelling to the airspace. Thank God nobody was around me, like, ranting, fist-pounding, fist-shaking, you're an idiot, uh, you know, that the full-on. Like, I'm, I'm losing my shit. I, I am triggered, 100% triggered. I usually like to think of myself as a fairly a balanced, level-headed individual, but I was triggered. I mean, I know I let myself go on some of these rants because it's just kind of fun. You know, I like, I like to do the, like, the, like in Bill Burr style or like Lewis Black or just like, this is what's wrong with the world. And But I'm not really cantankerous like that. It's usually uh, in mostly jest with the, you know, a dash of sarcasm, heavy dash of sarcasm with an overlay of seriousness. Um, but mostly I'm having fun with it. In this particular case, I'm full-on triggered. Full-on, uh, 
heart rate up, blood boiling, just like pissed off. Um, so I kind of don't want you to go listen to this, but you should go listen to it. It's episode 304. It's called The Fish Shack's Revenge. Um, go ahead and listen to the whole thing because it's, it's actually a good episode. The front part of it is really fun. But this part, the triggering part for me, came in the last half uh, when Matt got into it with Steve. And, it, dude, he wasn't pulling any punches. Like, he was just, I thought, rude. Um, just very egotistical, um, accusatory towards the whole meat eater staff. Like, it was crazy. It was just, it was unbelievable. And so what he goes on, like, he is not for the for the R3 initiatives, like uh, recruitment, retention, and reactivation. He doesn't want any of that. And he thinks it's too, there's too many hunters, it's overcrowded, and he pretty much lays that blame right at the feet of everybody in the Meat Eater podcast because they're not hunting for the right reasons. And that should be all you need to know right there. Anybody that tells you that you're not doing something for the right reasons and can't articulate those right reasons very well in which it doesn't just come off as uh, it's better for me if you do it this way, which is 100% what this cat's motivation is. It's, you know, he, he takes this moral high ground and he casts all the shade on everybody else, but at the end of it, it's for him. It's just pure selfishness and greed as far as wildlife goes, but he tries to put all that stuff, he, he, he tries to deflect it on other people as other people are the problem. And that the Meat Eater podcast is the problem. Um, I went to some, I'm going to, I'm going to go to my bolt. I was half tempted to just read verbatim my little article here that I wrote up um, like a monologue, but I'm not going to do that. I will put this on my social media, <laughs> uh, ironically enough, because <laughs> Matt hates social media. That's a big part of what he doesn't like. Um, and I'll get into that in just a little bit. But So if you're not already, go ahead and uh, follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Full Scale Outdoors, uh, Full Scale underscore Outdoors Instagram, um, Full Scale Outdoors on Facebook. Also, my personal account, Dale Lugabill, on Facebook. It'll be there. I'll try to put them in all the things. Um, you can read this little article. I'll post it. But let me go to – hold on, I'm in front of my computer here. So I got a bunch of bullet points here, and I'm just kind of, you know, it starts out like he just he's, he hates people that post pictures of damn. He's like, I just don't know why, and I don't like when stranger when I don't like showing strangers what you shoot. Okay, at first, I was like, well, that was kind of, I don't know why there's so much negativity behind that, but I kind of get it. You know, grip and grins aren't for everybody. You know, they can be somewhat distasteful at times, um, but. You know, is it really that that big of a deal? He doesn't like it because he says the only reason you do that is for attention. You only want likes, and this is the social media. It's like the corruption is the motivation. Or the corruption are motivation for hunting, and that's caused by social media, is what he says. Um, just so they can get likes, post likes for their own vanity to get sponsors. He threw that in there, and so it's like that. Really, that's only. That's the only reason people post a picture of a, of a dead deer on social media 
It's not that they just want to celebrate it or share it with their friends. You know, you have to remember that social media, it's this new thing, relatively new. But it's kind of like the new bulletin board, the new water cooler at work. It's, you know, where you share with your buddies. Like, not that many people actually, like, pick up the phone and talk to people anymore. I mean, they do and don't. And you, I'm sure they text pictures back and forth. But a, a large percentage of people know that their friend circle is on Facebook or on Instagram or whatever. So it's pretty convenient to post it right there. And they might have, they don't care how many, I would say the vast majority of people don't care how many likes they get. Because, I mean, if you shot like a record book deer or something like that, I could see that as a little bit of a bragging thing. Like maybe you want some likes. And if you have, obviously if you have your outdoor media company like I do, and a lot of people have their, you know, whatever, wherever outdoors and they do. Yeah, sure. They want likes. They want this. They want that. But that's not the only reason. Let's not say like every person that posted a picture, that's what they're, that's what they're trying to get. They're just, there it is. They don't care how many people like it. It's like, this is this sharing with other people. And not to mention, what if I what if I show a little deer? I mean, God, the 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 shitstorm that pops up on social media if you dare sh- if you dare shoot a buck under three years of age, you're gonna you're, you're gonna get shamed by the rest of the hunting community. Now I've gone on that rant, and a bunch of people have gone on that rant numerous times. I'm, I'm not gonna go down that that route. Um, that person is definitely not looking for likes or vanity or sponsors. You know, no, no one's handing out sponsors for people that are shooting spikes, right? So that, uh, so that argument is completely moot. But it doesn't take a, very long within the, within Matt's rant, where you really find out his true motivations and just how selfish they are. Because he's like, I'm in favor of a quarter less people at the trailheads. He thinks there's an overcrowding. There's too many people hunting, and he blames social media for inspiring other people. And he, like, full-on puts the blame on, like, Meat Eater for doing it. Like, that's the only reason you want to do it. You want you want more hunters so you can sell more shit. And that's basically what he said. Um, this is a quote. He says, quote, It doesn't matter really at the end of the day because I want all those people to go away because hunting is overcrowded today on public land and it's important that people are out there for the right reasons. There's that right reasons thing. This is where people start taking this moral high ground, this like virtue signaling, uh, holier than thou. You're not doing it the way I do it, so therefore you're wrong. And that's just some bullshit. Like, I don't care. Right or wrong, ethical, unethical, you know, within hunting, there's such a wide range of that. And just like the most obvious cases, the example, I'll just say baiting, baiting deer, right? You're, you're shamed for it. It's illegal. You will get a ticket. You will lose your hunting shit if you get busted baiting deer in Minnesota, right? So that is, by Minnesota standards, unethical. We tend to have a tendency to look at other states where it's legal as unethical which I think is a little disingenuous because if it was legal here, I bet a lot of people would do it. <laughs> so, but in those states where it is legal, I'm sure there is still somewhat of a battle between people who think it's ethical or, or unethical, but it's legal, so they do it. Then you can go all the way to the other extreme to like, you can run dogs in South Carolina. I mean, most places wouldn't dream of running dogs for deer. Like, that's incredible. The point being, there's this huge array of what's legal, illegal, moral, immoral, 
ethical, unethical, right? So for anybody to just come and make a bold statement that you're not hunting, you're not out there hunting for the right reasons. Well, what are the right reasons, Matt? Could you please enlighten us? And and by what authority has this been bestowed upon you? Did you go up to the mountains of Montana and the skies opened up and God himself lay upon you the stone tablets of the right and wrongs and the Ten Commandments of hunting? Could I see those tablets, please? Because I, I don't believe you. I, I, don't think, I don't think that's the case because everything you're saying, it's all about you and your experience and how other people are affecting your experience in the wild extremely selfish as you can see i'm starting to get heated I'm trying to dial her back just a little bit breathe in breathe out and in this whole thing he's just the his manner of speaking is just so rude and he talks over everybody that tries to make a point he cuts them off jumps over the top of them. it's just like any debate with somebody that is this highly idealistic um fanatical they don't want to hear reason. They don't want to hear. They don't even. They don't even want to hear counterpoints. It, it's one of those things that. It's not a real debate because they're not, listening to what you're saying. They're waiting for their turn to talk, and there is a huge difference. You know, if I like to listen to what other people say, you know, like all right, maybe I'm wrong. Enlighten me. Educate me. Whatever. Give me a different perspective I haven't thought of. I'm going to listen to you. And then it's, I still might think it's bullshit, and I'm going to tell you why. But I won't know that unless you finish your thought. And he would not let Steve finish his thought. Although, I do, I got, I do have to say this. I, thank you, Stephen Ranella, because you gave me a line that I will use now in for, forever, in perpetuity, when I'm in a debate and somebody is doing that to me. After he got cut off a bunch of times, Stephen goes, are you, are you even curious as to what I was going to say? Are you curious as to what I was going to say? And then Matt would be like, yeah, you were going to say. And then he fills in the blanks. And he's like, no, that's not what I was going to say at all. So I think Steve does a really good job. And his answers are somewhat kind of long-winded, which really irritates Matt. But it's because he's trying to lay the groundwork of why he's going to make the point he's going to make. Because Steve recognizes nuance he recognizes different perspective and different angles and so he's kind of like this this and this and this and this is why i believe this but he can't ever get to this because matt interrupts him all the time but i love that i love that the next time i get interrupted and no matter what the subject matter is and something like that that's what i'm going to say it really puts people in their place and it, and it caught matt off guard a couple of times he actually he's like okay finish finish and that's perfect i love it are you even curious as to what I was going to say? Oh, my God. I can't wait to use that on somebody in person. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Oh, that was great. Thanks, Steve. That that part was that part was awesome. Um, yeah, and he, you know, he goes, he, he says other, some of his other quotes were, you know, showing people what you kill in hopes that they buy something because he, he says this is just like spurred on by companies and corporations. And it's not to say that that, that that never happens. I'm sure there's some unscrupulous companies out there. You know, there's the ones that, you know, have some broad in a bikini holding up a gun or in camo or whatever, and they're just trying to, you know, yeah, it happens. But that's not every single outdoor company. I mean, if you're an outdoor company, you're, you're a company that makes hunting clothes or gear of any sort, how are you going to sell that if you don't show what it can do? Well, it's pretty hard to do without posting a dead animal 
Like, y- you can have your flowery thoughts in, in this perfect world where you don't actually show the end result. You can show the building up to it, somebody actively hunting. But that's, that's unrealistic. It, it just is. You know, and this already throws that heavy dose of, of moral superiority on it when he says, uh, quote, I don't believe in using wildlife to sell products. Well, again, how am I supposed to sell a product that is used for the taking of wildlife or wild game without showing what it can do effectively, without showing the effectiveness of it? Like, that, that's it's just an absurd statement. And it goes on to talk about, like, the overpopulation. He says over 80% of hunters pick where they're going to hunt, not based on anything else, but on how many other hunters are going to be out there. I don't know where he got those stats, but 80% seems like an awful lot to me. Like, where I live, I'm really close to a very popular wildlife management area, Carlos Avery. A lot of people go there. It has it has the the reputation of a lot of people going there. But you know what? There are plenty of parking spots. That 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 WMA is massive, and you can find a place to get away. And just because you like to go to a certain area, and suddenly that certain area is overcrowded, one, I would I would wager that it's a really easily accessible trailhead. Otherwise, not that many people would be there. And if you're willing to do go the extra mile and do the extra work, you can get away from the crowds. So this is just an excuse. I'm sorry it's not easy for you, Matt. I'm sorry it's not the way you want. I'm sorry you're not the only truck at the trailhead. I'm sorry that you went out and you saw another group of orange in the vast mountains of Montana and all those elk weren't just waiting there for you. I feel really, really bad for you. If you can't tell, that is that's a lot a lot of sarcasm because I do not feel sorry for him whatsoever. It's just part of it. I've had, I mean, I talked about it on this program just this year. I've had squirrel hunters come through and I'm deer hunting. I've had other deer hunters. Like, it just is what it is. It's part of it. I'm not owed anything. And if you think about it, it's good. It's good in a way. You might have to change the way you hunt if, if you want a certain experience, but there's some more hunters. The, the chance, the more hunters using that public land, in, increasingly, re, is this the way to say it? Like, re, greatly reduces the risk of that land ever being sold and developed into a place where you could never hunt, much less having a crowded hunting spot. You wouldn't have a hunting spot because the state finds itself in a, a, a spending deficit. And so, what they like to do is sell off some land quickly meet that budget and you don't get those lands back those are just gone and they do sell wmas from time to time and then it's gone or what they'll do is they'll buy the land around it develop around it and now because of you know shooting laws you can't it's a wma maybe it's a small one and now you can't hunt there because you're too close to houses i mean this kind of shit happens. We lose public lands. And that's why this is so, in my opinion, short-sighted that he doesn't see the big picture. Well, he doesn't see the big picture. He sees his trailhead being crowded. And that's bottom line. Every If you go and listen to it, every single point that he makes, you can boil it down to his own selfishness. His own, his own experience is somehow changing, and he doesn't like that. But then he, but he, he formulates his argument in this moral or ethical 
vain so that somehow you're supposed to feel guilty. It's it's your fault because you dared post a picture of the deer you shot this year on Facebook. You're the problem that his trailhead is crowded because you posted a deer in Minnesota. Does that make any sense whatsoever? I mean, I can kind of get it when he points it at the meat eater crew, but even then it's stupid. You know, he's like, you're bringing more, your, your show is exactly responsible for creating more hunters. So you can sell more product and then they come, you know, they, you show how, how fun elk hunting is and then they come out and they start elk hunting. And he's like, and he calls them, he really goes after them hard when he calls them liars because they're not showing the wounded game or they're not showing a failed hunt. And it's like, Hey, that's not true. Because they do show some of that on meat eaters. One of the things I respect them about. They talk about it. They show it on the show. They talk about it on the podcast. And he's like, do you show it all of the time? And they're like, well, no, of course. Well, then you're lying. No, they're not being deceived. He's like basically blaming them for being deceitful. It's like, no, it's like, listen, there's you only have so many hours of content, right? It's not who's going to watch all of the failed hunts. It just, it just doesn't make any sense. None of his arguments hold up. And I just, like, hats off to Steven. He was able to, for the most part, keep his cool with this whole thing and just constantly being interrupted. And just this, this, the tone, the self-righteous tone that his brother Matt had. Like, man, I don't, I don't know how he did it. Like, I really, I really don't know how he did it, but. I do think it was a, a pretty good the way um, he he brought up. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm losing. I was reading through my notes. Now Steve brought up the fact that it's like we grew up in Minnesota or in Michigan. We learned to hunt in Michigan, and then they moved to Montana, including Matt. So you're kind of being disingenuous. You don't want anybody to go to your trailhead, but you went to somebody's trailhead, you know, and where did you learn to do that? Probably magazines and watching hunting shows. How, how would you know of the hunting in, in Montana was great. You had to have learned it from somewhere. So were those magazine people putting stuff in those magazines back in the day were, were they hunting for the right reasons? Hmm. I mean, there's so much more like this rant would just go on forever and ever and ever. But I just uh, go listen to it. Uh, Go listen to that episode. Um, I'm going to find it again. It's episode 304, the Fish Shack's Revenge of Meat Eater Podcast. Listen to it. See what you think. Maybe I'm off base. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just hypersensitive to this. I'm not sure. Um, I don't feel that I am. Um, the guy just, I mean, sorry. I hate the guy. I've never met the guy. Maybe he's a good guy. Maybe I feel like there might have been some alcohol involved. I don't know that for a fact. Um, but just the, how rude he was to pretty much everybody in the media crew. Um, ah, he was just very, very rude. Very obtuse. Um, it just wasn't pleasant. But with that said, go listen to it. <laughs> no, really, you should. Go listen to it. I, I'm genuinely curious as to uh, your take on it. Um, so listen to it. Leave me some comments. Uh, I'm going to post this uh, article tonight and uh, 
we'll you know feel free to comment on that too and uh yeah and we'll just keep the conversation going so all right everybody thank you very much for uh joining me for listening i appreciate you we had a really good year ended the year on a high note uh i felt said new mile marker uh, my yearly total downloads last year were 74,000 a little over 74,000 so i'm pretty stoked about that that's a good number uh, my goal would like to i, I really want to grow that keep this thing growing we can get more and uh, bigger name guests on here and i do that with your help by you liking the podcast, you following my social medias, sharing it where you can, rating it, reviewing it when you can. And you can do that with each episode. It's not like a one and done. I, I, try, I try not to bug you every week uh, about it, but those ratings really do help because it. if somebody goes into, say, Apple Podcasts and they want to you know, find more outdoor content and they put outdoor podcasts in their little search bar, um, the more likes and stuff like that I get, the, the more the higher percentage that full scale tours podcast will pop up in that search and they'll find it and, and they can click on it. And that's, that's how we grow. And that's how I'm able to bring you more and better content. So let's keep the train rolling. I appreciate each and every one of you guys go check out fam. I would appreciate that. Uh, stay tuned to Minnesota made outdoors. You can follow them on Facebook uh, and Instagram as well. See how the tournament season shapes up. Hopefully I do well. I'm hoping, <sighs> Next week's weekend recap and rant will be all about our success and our first place finish. <laughs> I don't know how confident I am of that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bust my ass, and we got a lot more water to break down, and uh, I'm gonna do everything in my power to uh, place as well as we can. So, with that said, I will leave you with this: whatever your passion, pursue it full scale. <laughs> <laughs>